In this week's market update, shares pause for breath as bond yields rise and earnings forecasts head lower. The market's strong rally since the October low seems to be running out of steam as hopes for an early peak in interest rates look wider the mark and the long-predicted fall in company profits finally seems to be showing up in quarterly results. US shares eased back for a second consecutive week as strong economic data undermined the case for interest rates peaking below 5% in the early summer and then heading lower. In particular, both consumer and wholesale prices data emerged stronger than expected and retail sales jumped in January. Both of these point to the US economy holding up in the face of the Federal Reserve's now year-long attempt to get on top of inflation via sharply higher interest rates. Jobless claims came in lower than forecast last week, suggesting that the labour market remains strong despite the rising cost of borrowing. New jobs are being created at a historically high level. Expectations that interest rates are going to push to around 5.3% and stay there for the rest of the year contrast with predictions only a few weeks ago that the peak would be around 4.9% with a subsequent decline to a more normal level of perhaps 3% in due course. A recent slowdown in the rate at which inflation is retreating from its high watermark has raised the prospect of price rises persisting at levels well in excess of the Fed's and the Bank of England's 2% targets. That removes the incentive for the Fed to reduce the cost of borrowing anytime soon. Well, this is now starting to be reflected in bond yields, which stand at around 3.8% for the 10-year Treasury and more than 4.6% for the interest rate-sensitive two-year bond. The gap between the two is pointing to a likely recession in due course, the so-called inverted yield curve. But for now, it's the level of yields rather than the shape of the curve that investors are focused on. Rising yields point to lower bond prices as a matter of pure arithmetic, but they also make shares relatively less attractive as the income investors can achieve from relatively safe government debt outstrips that on offer in the form of equity dividends. This encourages investors to question whether today's valuation multiple, around 18 times earnings for the US market, is sustainable. Since October's low, the multiple has risen from around 15, which looks more reasonable in the face of a deteriorating outlook for company earnings, the other key component of the market valuation puzzle. Earnings expectations have been nudging lower since last summer, and latest profits results season has done nothing to change expectations that 2023 as a whole is likely to see a fall of as much as 10%. Now, that's not always a problem for the stock market. Investors can look through a short-term decline in earnings if they anticipate a recovery in due course, but they tend to need easier monetary policy to smooth the journey to those sunlit uplands. It was that expectation that allowed the valuation multiple to rise from 15 times profits to 18 over a period of three months. Now that view looks increasingly rose-tinted. The higher multiple looks harder to justify. So, more and more, the last four months or so look more like a bear market rally than the start of a new bull market. History suggests that bear market rallies rarely retrace more than half of the previous decline. That's where the last big rally in the summer of last year ran out of steam, so it would be unsurprising if this one started to flag now. 
The good news remains that there's probably no reason to expect the next down leg to go any lower than October's trough. A look back at the most similar bear markets from the past suggests an extended period of bouncing along the bottom while the market waits for the economic bad news to work its way through the system is a plausible scenario. It happened just like this in the post-war inflationary period, which most obviously resembles our post-pandemic experience. It doesn't have to happen in the same way again, but it wouldn't be surprising. And it chimes with the feeling that investors were too quick out of the blocks in recent weeks before recession or even a real earnings downturn had got into its stride. Perhaps the biggest problem this week is that there's little on the agenda to change the current gloomier narrative. Wednesday sees the publication of minutes from the latest Federal Reserve rate-setting meeting, but unless there's a notable change of tone from recent comments by Fed officials, that's likely to confirm the view that the inflation-beating job is not yet done. The most recent data on both sides of the Atlantic showed that inflation is heading lower, but at an increasingly sluggish pace. In particular, wage hikes risk making inflation stickier this time around, and raise the prospect of central banks having to settle for a higher for longer inflation and therefore interest rate picture. Even if inflation settles at the relatively benign level of 4%, that could be a problem for investors due to the insidious impact of even modestly higher rates of inflation over time. The so-called rule of 72 illustrates how this works. Divide the expected rate of inflation into 72 and the answer tells you how many years it will take for your money to lose half of its purchasing power. So at the target 2% rate, that process takes 36 years. Not really a problem for most of us and easily offset by rising wages or index-linked increases in pensions. At 4%, however, the real value of money halves in just 18 years. That is increasingly problematical for people living off a fixed income, say in retirement, which realistically might last for 25 years these days. That is the harsh arithmetic of inflation that justifies central banks taking a hard line on inflation, stamping it out, even if it triggers a sharp economic slowdown or recession. The big fear for central bankers like Jay Powell is that they allow inflation to get out of control on their watch. Remember, If inflation stays not at 2% or 4%, but 8%, then it will take less than a decade for your money to halve in value. That really is a problem. With little of significance on the economic front this week, company results will be in the spotlight. Here in the UK, it's a big week for banks with Lloyds, HSBC and Standard Chartered, adding to last week's announcement from NatWest. That unveiled a near tripling of profits on the back of rising interest rates, which favour banks because they make it easier to secure a profit between the price at which a bank lends money via mortgages and business loans and the price at which it effectively borrows from depositors. Also in focus this week are some mining companies, including Rio Tinto and Antofagasta. Metals prices and so mining shares were hit hard last year by the looming prospect of recession, which obviously reduces demand for metals. China's reopening changed the narrative for commodities, and the sector has been a big beneficiary of the recent rally. China is also in focus in the form of results from two big internet players, Baidu and Alibaba. 
Chinese tech has also seen a big turnaround in its fortunes as Beijing's regulatory clampdown on the sector has seemingly been reversed in recent months. Since last summer, Alibaba has halved and then doubled again in a fairly typical round trip that has provided plenty of opportunities for investors to both make and lose money. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.